0: Welcome back to episode two of David Pays My Rent. Hello, renters. That's what I'm calling all of you now, my fan base, my renters. If you own something, turn this off right now. Um, But hello, renters. For those of you who have not listened to episode one, first, I'd like to know how you found episode two. (laughs) Please slide into my DMs and let me know. But for your own edification, this is a podcast I made because my brother-in-law once made an offhand comment that he would pay my rent in exchange for a podcast. That's all there is to it. It's really that simple. (laughs) Why he said that, I'll never quite understand because he knows full well that being a troll is one of my favorite hobbies besides eating salt and vinegar chips, of course. Anyway, he made that promise in 2016 and five years later, I am a graduate student with zero income, so getting my rent paid is looking like a pretty good deal right about now. And it's going to be pretty easy. I mean, the terms are that I need to make four 28-minute episodes in exchange for three months of rent. And if you don't believe me, you can check out DavidPaysMyRent.com to hear the man himself, David, set the terms. So I rest my case. Despite my general troll status, I'm not going to waste anyone's time. Oh, sorry. There is a bus just flying down Amsterdam Avenue right now. And it we're just going to have to sit here with that noise for a second. All right, it's gone. <laughs> Where was I? Ah, I was just saying that I'm not going to waste your time when I just wasted about 10 <laughs> seconds of your time. My bad, won't happen again. David Pays My Rent is not just going to be me messing around. We're going to cover real topics and actually get somewhere with this. And that topic is the rental experience in the 21st century. So as the iconic American playwright Jonathan Larson once wrote, because everything is... Rent. R.I.P. Jonathan Larson, your musical inspired a generation of theater kids to be very annoying. So yeah, millennials are given so much shit about not owning property. And frankly, I'm tired of hearing that it's because we all love avocado toast too much. If you know one thing about me, it's that I'm a huge anti-toaster. But I do think it's high time that we all get the credit we deserve for what we endure as tenants. Today, we're focusing on landlords. Landlords are evil. We've all had one. If you listened to episode one, you may have caught on that my previous landlord was almost definitely part of organized crime, so I am no stranger to this subject. But today, we have an epic story of a comically evil landlord, a series of unfortunate events, and a group of enterprising young kids who beat her at her own game. So if you want to live out all of your landlord revenge fantasies, Stick around. It's Nancy, ooh-ooh, you got the Nancy out with your favorite host, she's the one with
1: the greatest most, oh, it's Nancy, ooh-ooh, oh, yeah, it's Nancy,
0: ooh-ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) On today's episode, not only will we be covering a new topic, we will be doing so in a format that no David Pays My Rent episode has done before, mostly because there's only ever been one. And that is long-form storytelling. Let's see if I can do this. All right. So before we jump into the story itself, which is a doozy, let's do a quick history lesson from Professor Vicky, aka Wikipedia. The concept of a landlord comes from a system called feudalism, which was popular in Europe around the same time that the plague was going on. So we're already getting some red threads from last episode. Are you impressed? <laughs> So if you don't remember this from your history course, let's do a bit of a refresher. Feudalism is essentially an economic, social, and political system based on the following hierarchy. At the very top, you have the church. That Jesus guy gets everything from what I hear. I wouldn't know. I am one of the tribe. One step below the big woman herself is the monarchy. And those guys really get whatever they want under that we have lords who were usually just rich sons of friends of the kings we all know the type i'm in business school i really know the type just kidding to all my business school listeners out there you're all very humble but back to the point lords owned and operated landed estates which ran off of the labor of serfs or as we commonly know them to be peasants because they were lords who owned land They were referred to as, say it with me, landlords. (laughs) I mean, the lack of creativity from the people who wrote history textbooks never ceases to amaze me. Coming from the woman who named her podcast, David Pays My Rent, the most literal name I could think of. I guess I'm not one to judge. So there you have it, the etymology of landlord. And if this system sounds even remotely familiar to you, I highly recommend reading a U.S. history textbook, specifically the chapters on slavery, mass incarceration, and Citizens United. Eerily prescient. In today's world, landlords are some of the most abhorred people, and rightfully so. The coronavirus pandemic has created the economic conditions such that we are on the precipice of a massive eviction crisis and subsequent homelessness crisis. Many Americans who have lost their jobs are being forced to decide between feeding and housing their families, which is a tragedy unto itself. And as much as I would like to spend my allotted 28 minute episode discussing the utter bullshit that is the American housing system, I admittedly am not particularly qualified. And I will leave that to the journalists and people who are all around much smarter and more articulate than I am. Case in point. Instead... We are going to discuss a rare episode of triumph over the proverbial Goliath in our residential midsts. I'm going to get right into it because we have a lot of ground to cover here. You're about to meet Joni and Julia, who are two of my closest friends. In 2015, we all lived in Philadelphia for reasons that I won't even deign to get into on this podcast because that could be an entire four episode series in and of itself. So, They lived together along with our friends, Taylor and Matt in a traditional Philly row house, more on that later. And this apartment was right off of South street. For those of you who don't know South street in Philadelphia, you should know that it's maybe not the nicest place. It's not unsafe by any means, but it's loud and full of bars and mediocre restaurants and all around kind of smelly. So not unlike New York at this historical moment. Anyway, you've heard enough from me. I'm going to bring us back to when I recorded this interview in 2018. Joni, Julia, and I have gathered to recount the tale of the Rocky-esque saga with the landlord from hell. Here we go. We've come here today because something that we also all share in common, besides both of you being my best friends, is we all lived in the city of brotherly love together Philadelphia shout out shout out to filthy the original startup so as I'm sure that you can surmise from that clip an interview with my two best friends went off on many tangents coming in at a whopping two hours of audio shout out to Joni and Julia Um, but fear not as your guide faithful listener through these podcast waters I will bring you to safe haven in under half an hour kind of Despite the vague trash smell that lingered over the air of South Street, Joni and Julia's apartment was in a pretty perfect location, all things considered. It was easy to get to work, nearest to some of Philadelphia's greatest attractions, and all around a pretty nice place to live. And that's why when I moved to Philadelphia with my friend Hadley just a few months later, we rented the units two doors down in the very same apartment complex. Or we lived in Philly together, yeah. where we painted the town red. We owned that city. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? I it's a stretch, but we
1: owned a tiny corner of it. And that corner was, was made up Was the Randolph all. Court.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. true. Yes. The Randolph Court. Our home. I'll let Joni take it from here.
2: Yeah. I sometimes describe, when we were looking for an, an apartment, I sometimes describe it as Akin to sort of an onion article, i.e. the headline being Mysteriously Cheap Apartment Has Shitty Landlord.
0: (laughs) If that voice sounds familiar to you, then you have definitely listened to episode one of David Pays My Rent and considered purchasing products from Snatched, the inorganic tampon company. In addition to being the free voice talent for our ads... Joni is also the protagonist of this tale, along with Julia. I should add here that our shared address in the Randolph Court is where the similarities ended between Joni and Julia's apartment and my own. Hadley's in my unit was owned by a nice boomer couple named Glenn and Sherb. The apartment was immaculate, newly renovated, up to code, whole nine yards. Joni and Julia's, however, was not quite... <laughs> <laughs> to give you a bit of a more real picture of the Randolph Court, we turn to Julia. The
1: way this apartment or house, it was like a, a house, was built was that like there was one room on every floor and four people lived there. And there was also a kitchen and a living room. But all of those rooms were on different floors. It was sort of like the burrow in that it was like three steps and then a room and then four steps and then a room. Right, and but like five not steps whimsical and, and
2: not warm. Yeah, OK, yeah,
1: yeah. It was also, this will come in later, um, a little damp.
0: Because so you know, you had fine. the
1: breeze coming in from the beach. What yeah. beach,
0: you ask? <laughs> <A> the <little> Schukel. <laughs> Wait, pop quiz, spell Schukel. Oh, like
1: S. C-H-U-Y-L-K-I-L-L.
0: You guys are doing so well. For the record, Joni got it right. The Schuylkill River is spelled S-C-H-U-Y-L-K-I-L-L. A very prominent feature in Philadelphia's city map. So they found this four-bedroom apartment on Craigslist and met the realtor George to take a look. George.
2: George, fucking George, this realtor who was literally the dumbest functioning human I'd ever
0: seen. Yeah. There is a lot of hate for George in this story. He yeah. was a realtor, yes, like from and whatever sort of like
1: team yeah, team. like the assumption based on the communication we'd had with him was like he would be our point of contact to take care of these things once we signed the lease. The like, property manager, like he was. He, we sort of saw him as property manager because he had kind of alluded to the fact that the landlord was a little bit older and Mm -hmm. didn't like to sort of like be super Mm hands-on um so
0: we would be working with him the group saw the apartment and saw its potential to be a great place to live despite its appearance of being held together by magic they went through all of your classic steps security deposit lease signing and of course the walkthrough there were a few items that needed to be cleared up before they moved in some routine cleaning removal of furniture and repairing odds and ends around the house. All of which George promised would be taken care of before they arrived.
2: Anywho, so we move in. um, And none of the things that George had said he would do were done. <laughs> do. Like, the rug was, the rug, like the creepy yeah. hospital curtains, right. the rug was there, the, like, dank, like the plush furniture that had been left on the porch that was, was like, just there. wet. Yeah, There was, like, trash out back. It was just, like, Dusty and gross, mm-hmm. and
1: then like, upon reaching out to George about this, it was suddenly made extremely clear that he was not going to be
2: involved. He was not the contact. Like
1: now, we contacted the landlord. Yeah, it and was like, well, sorry, I don't know if there, uh, I don't know if there was like a miscommunication. And, like
2: that was George's
1: like response. Like, but no, 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 I was just like doing the, I'm just the realtor guy, and like now you work directly with Louise, and we're like, okay, well, we have not met Louise. Um, but sure, she's a landlord. Apparently she lives literally
2: around the, around the corner.
0: Our girlies were obviously annoyed that their move was marred by George's failure to perform his basic duties as a property manager. But dealing directly with landlords is pretty standard practice for anyone who's ever rented an apartment, so they weren't intimidated or annoyed. It also wasn't surprising to them that someone with George's seeming inability to be a functioning member of society would fuck up even the simplest aspects of his job. So no real red flags yet. And so I think when he was like, oh, there must have been some miscommunication.
2: Like, we didn't feel like we're having the wool pulled over our eyes. We're like, he's just kind of a (laughs) fuckwit. Like, he's just
0: trying to get through the day. (laughs) And now begins the era of the landlord. I know you're all so excited to meet her, but you're going to have to wait until after this message from our sponsors. If you're like millions of other New Yorkers, you've definitely had the experience of looking at apartments for months, carrying around your social security card, bank statements, pay slips, and certified checks, only to lose the apartment of your dreams because you couldn't get your letter of employment notarized in time. Well, today is your lucky day because you will never need to let this happen to you again, with Nancy the notary to the rescue. Nancy is a fourth-generation notary of the people, by the people, and for the people. Armed with a pen in her stamp, there's no oath, mortgage application, birth certificate, vaccination form, or last will and testament that she can't notarize. And now, with the legalization of virtual notarization, So long as you are physically situated in the state of New York, Nancy can notarize anything at a safe social distance. She doesn't charge a fee, but she'd never say no to an ice cream cake, a baked good, or even a piece of cheese. With tens of satisfied customers, you know you'll be in great hands. And you can trust me because I have a deep voice and am definitely not Nancy. So hire Nancy, for all your notary needs. And we're back! Before the break, we had gotten from an inconspicuous Craigslist post all the way to move-in day. Upon moving into their new apartment in the Randolph Court, Joni and Julia were disappointed to discover that the apartment hadn't been repaired before moving in. When they approached the negligent property manager, George, he was quick to eschew responsibility and direct them to their new landlord, Louise. Enter Um, Louise. (laughs) Enter Louise (sighs) um,
1: C. C, We'll call her Louise C. No names have been
0: changed to protect the
1: identity (laughs) of people in this story.
0: If you haven't caught on by now, there is absolutely nothing resembling post-production on this podcast. Some people gave me some feedback about sound mixing in episode one, and to those people, I'd like to remind you that I am just here to get my rent paid and nothing else. I think we had like a...
2: A normal interaction with her. Like, I think we heard, like, a wheezing and a cane outside the front door. And we look, and it's Louise. And she seems kind of this, like, wheezy older lady. Not small. <gasps> she was large. Not, she's a large, wheezy old lady who seems, like, not in the best of health, but not necessarily evil.
1: How did I describe her recently? As a combination of
0: Roz from Monsters, Inc. And of the Hutt. <laughs> and of the Hutt. We're laughing, but that is the most aft description of this woman I have ever heard. And I know that you think we're being mean, and maybe we are, but this woman caused us so much grief that this is what she's been reduced to in our minds. So let's reset. Imagine you've moved into your apartment. All of the repairs that you were hoping would be fixed have gone completely unaddressed. The guy you thought was meant to help you is MIA. And now you have to deal with a crotchety old lady. Not ideal. What else is not ideal is that almost right away, the deal you thought that was too good to be true starts unraveling at the seams.
2: She said that for an extra like $100 or $200 a month, we could rent the parking spot behind the house.
0: The way this apartment complex worked was that each of us had our own garage. I know, completely unheard of for those of us currently living in New York City apartments that barely have kitchen sinks, but we all had our own garage. However, Joni and Julia had a bit of a different setup, and it wasn't until we moved in three doors down that it really came to light. Whereas my unit only had three bedrooms, theirs had four, the fourth being the converted garage. It was a fully functioning room, don't get me wrong, Taylor was not living in a cement box, but it meant that their unit was without a parking spot. So when you hear Joni say that Louise rented her the parking spot behind the house, what she really means is that Louise marketed the back alley behind the apartment complex as a pay-to-play luxury, when in reality, it was just a chunk of cement owned by the city of Philadelphia.
2: Right, and I think that became one of our first... Things with Louise where yeah. we realized, like, she didn't technically own that parking spot mm-hmm. that she was charging us for.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is where things really start to pick up.
2: What really happened was there was a washer-dryer in the basement or the ground-level room.
0: Which is different from the basement Which because is different from every, the basement. once again, to reiterate, every floor had right. its own room. So
2: we had, like, a subground room and then, like, the ground level on the back Had the washer dryer. So one day we were all going on. I think we had a kickball game. Mm -hmm. All Mm -hmm. four of us. Taylor put a load of laundry in the washer. Yeah. Turned it on. Whatever. And we left. And we came home to approximately like 8 to 12 inches of water in this like basement room. So like the level below where the washer dryer was.
0: Yeah. As with every other millennial, Joni, Julia, Taylor, and Matt Don't know how to fix home appliances themselves. Although Joni is quite handy with a power drill. She would want everyone listening to know that. So they did what we would all do. They
2: reach out to their landlord. It was bad. Yeah. Um, And so we proceeded to call her multiple times. We could not get in touch with her. Yeah. She wasn't responsive. And it was, like, an emergency. There was, like, a lot of water in yeah. the basement. Well,
1: Taylor was living in that room, right. wasn't he? Yeah, in
2: theory, he was, like, living there. I think he had, like, half his stuff moved in yeah. or something. Yeah,
1: So, yeah. So, it, it was, we needed to get to the bottom of it because, like, one, it was our home, but also, like, made it more of an emergency that Taylor was, like, living pretty much in this Right, room. it was
2: supposed to be a better. And so, she was not responding, so we ended up having to call, like, a company to come yes. in and do it. Mm-hmm. And so, our plan was, like, she didn't respond, and we were, like, we are going to, like, withhold... That money from our rent your apartment
0: is flooded with water your landlord won't answer so you find someone who can do the repair to make the home just baseline inhabitable it makes perfect sense but in true job of the hut fashion Louise does not take kindly to an unpaid debt and so so she basically
2: like flies into action I'm like I just get so angry thinking about it when she didn't receive the full rent check yep. because we had sent her a note with our check.
1: And said, like...
2: That, like, that was what happened and, and blah, blah, blah,
1: I would also say that, like, our roommates, especially Taylor, were very good about documenting things. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. he had, like, all... And he was primarily... Note to the, any listeners who yes. might be
0: planning some sort mm-hmm. of attack and who
1: are dealing with this on their own. But, like, he had documented all of, like, the calls, that, the times he had attempted to get in touch with her. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that he had researched different people to come and clean this up. Yeah, and it was, like, a a pretty cost-effective one. So he was pretty thoughtful about it, and I imagine, I don't remember the exact, like, letter that we wrote her, but I imagine it was, like, very thoughtful as well. Yeah.
2: So she came back to us and said, in these, like, letters she would write us, she would leave us these, like, murder (laughs) typewriter letters. Written on a
1: typewriter. Like, this was not a font selection, because she definitely did not have Microsoft Word. Like, this was written on a typewriter put in an envelope, shuffled around in her, like, raw-like
2: movement. Written on a typewriter, and then, like, notes added in the margins yes. to, like, be like, I'm Anno- mad.
1: Annotated.
2: And annotated. Then put, so, yeah. And
1: then slid under our back doorway. So she was just lurking at all times.
0: Understandably, everyone is losing their temper on both sides. Joni, Julia, and their roommates are really starting to lose patience with Louise. So they decide to begin a protracted battle with her over not just the fact that they're going to be withholding rent for the necessary repairs, but also don't forget that she's been charging them for a fake parking spot, and the apartment is completely dilapidated.
2: (laughs) We're just all getting like, just really pissed off. So the basement thing, it's like, We've had this big thing company come and like clean it out, and like had the industrial dehumidifiers down there, and like, but it's still like dank, and I think there's concern that there's mold, mold down there, yeah. Um, and it's not like the rest of the house was in great repair right, either,
1: right? But it was really noticeable. Though. Yeah.
2: Meanwhile, like I had tried to shampoo the carpets, and they didn't look any cleaner. <laughs> a valiant effort. Shout out to Mike Wilner for helping me do that. That was a real friend move. Yeah, so at this point, things are starting to get contentious because she not only is saying that, like, she's not going to pay – like, she doesn't agree with the fact that we withheld the thing. She said, like, the fact that it leaked and flooded was our fault.
0: Blame is being thrown around, and the letters start to appear under their back door with a frighteningly increasing frequency.
1: Because the other thing was, whenever she did communicate with us – it was not in a cordial, professional way. So, like, aside from the fact that it was in these like typewritten typewriter letters, there were there was like <laughs> offensive language in them. Like, she I don't know if it was at this time, but she I think when she was walking through the apartment at one ta- one time to like look at the damage for the, of this water because she kind of thought like they're ma- they're being babies and they're making this up. Like, compared us to special education
0: um, kindergartners that she worked with. Oh, sorry about the siren, we're just gonna have to wait here for a second. The Symphony of New York. Okay, we're just going to keep going because I'm not going to sit here. So the gloves are off. It's becoming increasingly clear that they're going to need to gear up to get out of this apartment. And that involved compiling all of the documentation they had from their time in relation to the apartment. It was also time to do some digging. So Gurley
2: Hadley, who is never one to miss an opportunity to do some stealthy recon on the internet, did some Googling of... Louise and found out that a couple things one found a lot of like information about her divorce which was neither here nor there but Hadley found it <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like she that. hacked the mainframe and just went yes in.
2: she also found out that Louise hadn't worked since like the early 80s when she had something like she had worked for the school district of Philadelphia for one year and like claimed disability because she'd like hurt her foot and literally had not worked since She found out that she was, like, a property, she owned a couple properties, uh, like, some of which, she basically was a slumlord Mm -hmm. in, like, the actual definition of the word. Like, a lot of houses, she, like, was the landlord of a lot of Section 8 housing. Mm -hmm. She would
0: let them fall into such disrepair that they qualified or something. It was
1: clearly, like, taking advantage of situations where, like, knowing the fact that that people were maybe not in circumstances to hire legal aid to help with all of it, so she could really just take advantage of people. Yeah, slumlord. Yeah, like that.
2: And through a combination of Hadley's research, and then our other friend, shout out to Johnny Yarchwan, who, um, who has a subscription to, what's that mm, real estate? Yeah. Oh, it wasn't Lexus Nexus. Yeah. We used his LexisNexis account. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Alexa. <laughs> <Lexis> Nexus account <laughs> to find out, like, additional information. So between the two of them, we also found out that she had been sued by every one of her tenants- Going back to something like 1994.
1: Including a couple of cases that were Courtney v. Courtney. Yes. So, family members.
2: Yes. Oh, so now we know her
0: last name. (laughs) Sorry. No names have been changed in this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, post-production? Never heard of it.
2: This is also where Taylor had, like intense fantasies that we all kind of shared of putting a single dead fish in her air conditioning or and or heating unit.
0: I remember this well.
2: We talked about that a lot. Yeah. Meanwhile, we also found out we had mice.
0: Right. In all fairness, my unit two units down had mice. That's yeah. true. That was just a thing in the courtyard. A mouse
2: favorite- dragged
0: a candy wrapper across <laughs> my, <laughs> <laughs>
1: across my bedroom floor the weekend of Halloween. Yeah, we named him Death Bro. It was also, yeah, the, it was the time I was like, Watching TV alone. I think I was alone that weekend of Thanksgiving or something. Because I remember hanging out with Despero a lot. Like, I was watching <laughs> Master of None in the living room. And we had the hole where the mouse came out. Like, we would try. We tried, like, many things to cover it up. And, like, just, like, force. Like, we would put, like, poison in there. But all this stuff. life finds a way. Life finds a way. And I was watching TV. And just saw Despero scurry <laughs> out of his hole. And I was frozen in fear. And... Despero just stopped and looked up at the TV as if he too was enjoying Master of None. And I just didn't know how to handle it. So I just started screaming, get out! Get out! Leave! Because I was not going to... a mouse! I a mouse! Because I was not going to... I didn't have the nerve to kill him. I'm,
0: yeah. Sorry if that just shattered your eardrums, but the dramatic effect was very important. Mice kind of plagued the Randolph Court, but Despero was a particularly menacing house guest. I can't say that I blame Julia for her behavior on this one.
2: Basically, Taylor, the bottom room that had been listed as the fourth bedroom was, um, uninhabitable. was uninhabitable. So Taylor was like sleeping up in Matt's room. Louise was being fucking nutso and crazy yeah. um, and like unresponsive oh. to everything. It Let was, alone the, like, major structural issues of the house. Right.
1: It was causing everyone so much stress. Like, it was clear that she was no longer going to... She was not going to be okay with us withholding that rent. Like, she was now going to be, like, an antagonist the entire
2: time we lived there. Also, we had given two months rent as a safety, depo- as a security deposit. Yeah, that was another... And so we were like, blow. there's no way we're getting that shit back. Yeah. So it,
1: it did become this question of, like how do we leave we i think the next action came from her which was when we were mutually sued and evicted by her in the same week yeah and so then it became a question of like okay like we're gonna go to court with this woman
0: it appears we have reached an impasse and the only way out of this situation is through the small claims court system Most of us have lived in fear of this dreaded outcome, and only very few of us have ever actually realized it. Joni and Jules are about to face the beast head on and learn how to use Louise's own tactics to take her down. And by my watch, I have 28 minutes, and my gosh, we're only halfway through this story. I am so sorry. I know that you are probably chomping at the bit to see how this all pans out, but I don't make the rules. David does. Don't worry, though. Next week, we'll be back with part two of this insane tale, if you can stomach it. Gear up because we are just getting started. We still have a ride through Pennsylvania's court system and an Elwood's Woods moment that will have you shouting, I object. I've always wanted to do that. So let's wrap this up. From Yes, I Am Still Really Doing This Productions, I'm Nancy, host of David Pays My Rent. This podcast is brought to you rent-free by my brother-in-law, David. Rich Smith made our logo, I made the Squarespace, and my parents, Peggy and Russell, made me. Ew. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. It's Nancy, ooh You got the Nancy out with the favorite host. She's the one
1: with the greatest most. Oh, it's Nancy, ooh-ooh. Oh, yeah, it's Nancy, ooh-ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>